Welcome to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. We're really glad you're here. Whoever you are, wherever you're at, join us on the journey. So I thought as we head into this joyous next week that we would take a moment for some humanizing group confession. How do we all feel about that? You know here in this community, we like to do a question of the week. Now here are the rules. If you are someone that does not want to answer the question of the week, this is a safe space for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, how are you? No thanks, or go and grab a cup of coffee, all right? But here's the question I want you to consider. I want you to spend just a minute talking about with your neighbor this this morning. What was your oof moment this week? And what I mean by that, this is a face palm moment. It could be something like leaving the curling iron plugged in. It could be telling someone's secret that wasn't yours, or this could actually be a confession. You can take this where you feel comfortable taking it, but what I want you to do is turn to your neighbor right now and ask them, what was your oof moment this week? Go ahead. Remember, coffee is always an option. There's a couple of you going for it. You got an oof moment, Greg? Oh, Malad has my mic on. I almost got a confession live on the microphone there. That would have been, that would have been not good. We don't need to make these oofs oofier than they are. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for... Thank you for entertaining that. A reminder, you are loved, you are forgiven, and you are set free in all of your oofs. Please join me in prayer. Loving God, in all our human moments, remind us of our worthiness. May we each hear something today that assures us of this freedom in you. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. So when we gathered in worship planning this week to talk through this week of love, we were struck by the gospel passage that was chosen. Instead of this being a passage about Mary or her annunciation, her song, her visit with her cousin Elizabeth, typical passages associated with the fourth week of Advent, this is a story about Joseph. 
and Joseph's response to the whole ordeal. And I know we are talking about the birth of Jesus, but this is an ordeal. Young, unmarried Mary is found to be with child. In this version of the story, that's all that we hear. And in case you're wondering, this is not a turn of phrase. She was found. Herathe is the Greek. We're going nerd up top this morning. She was found, meaning someone discovered that she was pregnant. And the someone in this story is Joseph. And in my moments of turning this story over and over, looking for an angle that shocks me back to the awe of it, some of us have heard this story a lot of times, I like to look for those moments, I like to imagine this being found out. Because you know that it had to have been quite the conversation. The whispered I'm pregnant, shocking what was already a rather uncomfortable marriage agreement. Some of you have had a version of this conversation before. It might have gone well for you. This might have been a celebration. But this conversation, the one between Mary and Joseph, likely did not go like that. Joseph was probably not jubilant at the news that his fiance was having a child that he did not participate in the creation of. And there is something about the Christmas story starting here that I love. Months before the beauty of the birth of Jesus, the story starts with Mary getting caught getting found out, this epiphany, if you will, that's some foreshadowing. The way that God intervenes in our lives is not always pretty. Turning your life around, starting over, Coming clean, getting clean, giving or receiving a second chance, switching directions, making the sacrifice. These things don't start with ease. They start with oof. Not to blame Mary. This was a miracle. But to recognize the immense vulnerability of her position, of Joseph's position, of our position, when we are called by God. The I'm pregnant, the I need help, the I can't do this anymore, the I need to go, the I'm not going anywhere. God's intervention is intense sometimes, impossible feeling, and love is born first, right here. As I was looking through the bookshelves in my office in search of some good theology, to quote you this morning, I accidentally got sidetracked when I rediscovered my favorite Christmas book of all time, the best Christmas pageant ever. How many of you are familiar? 
definitely recommend it. Instead of passing it by, I picked it up and I took what I call a joy break, in which I read the book cover to cover in one sitting with my feet up on the radiator. And the entire office was busy trying to do very serious work. And they could hear me laughing hysterically as I re-encountered the Herdmans, a family of wildling children found to be cast in the lead roles of the annual Christmas pageant only because they had been promised there would be snacks and were in the right place at the right time. My favorite scene in this book takes place as the children all gather for the first rehearsal. They're ready to walk through the story, and these children have heard this story. They're about 12, so they've heard it about a dozen times before. They've heard this story over and over, except that the herdmen's who were only there for the snacks, were newcomers to the whole church thing and had never heard the story of the birth of Jesus before. So you can imagine, with every new bump in the road, every new character, every unfamiliar word, they would stop the director and say, wait, what? Wait, who? Wait, how? When the herdman who was cast to be Mary, Imogene, hears that they didn't have any room at the inn for Mary, she bolts up in her seat and she cries out, My God! Not even for Jesus! And her brother, Ralph, chimes in, Yeah, you said Mary knew. Why didn't she tell him? It was Jesus. And Imogene continues, Boy, I would have told him. Boy, I would have told him straight to their face. What was the matter with Joseph that he didn't tell him? Trust a 10-year-old to ask the questions that really matter. What was a matter with Joseph? When we hear this story, we are given the opportunity to read into Joseph all that we ourselves are carrying. Anne read this story one way. I love the, he planned to divorce her quietly, and she looked over her glasses. Some of us read this story with a different tone behind those words. How you read Joseph is your story. Some of us focus on a man who must be someone of compassion and mercy from the get-go. He planned to divorce her quietly. Dismiss her is what our version says, but it's debatable what the translation is, depending on where you hear it. This is a time when the punishment for a child out of wedlock was a capital one. Joseph spares Mary's life with his plans to quietly divorce her. On the other hand, some of us hear this story and we echo Imogene, what was wrong with Joseph? This was Jesus. You don't divorce the mother of Jesus, oof. And before you say he didn't know he was Jesus, remember our Greek, our Greek says she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This would have been a part of the conversation. But, believe it or not, it was just as unlikely 2,000 years ago for a child to be conceived of the Holy Spirit as it is today. Can you imagine all that was going on in Joseph's mind before the angel appeared to him to corroborate her story, Joseph would have been rattled. Even if this was the life of their dreams, this would not have been okay. And no, they didn't have a different penchant for miracles back then. 
our skepticism as we hear this story today was everyone's. But here is the good news. Our skepticisms, our bewilderment, our disbelief, our shock, and our awe does not have the power to change the story. The only thing that does, the story of God made flesh in the world, the only thing that has the power to change that story is love. And so we turn our eyes to Joseph, the one in this narrative who has a choice. And whether we think he nailed it or whether we think he flubbed it, there is no arguing that his response, his loving, his faithful response was just as responsible for ushering in Christ as Mary's. Some might say that Mary did not have a choice in what was happening to her body. She was with child, and how she felt about that, how she responded, wouldn't change that fact. My friend, Reverend Deb Bowman, says that in the ultimate act of self-emptying, Mary gives over her own body that God might have one. But Joseph, Joseph has a different story. He could have saved face, and he would have needed it. He could have moved on. He could have taken any number of different paths, and yet he chose love. He chose faithfulness. What we get to witness in this version of the story is God's love working in and through a fallible, flawed, and frightened individual to usher more of that love, more of God's love, into the world. The Christmas story is the story of God's love being birthed in this place, this messy, imperfect place, and how messy and imperfect people like me, like us, are the ones who get to help do it. We have that power. This Advent has closed the series we did on our stained glass windows. Some of you will have been here for that series. And time and time again, when we look at saints like Martha and David and Moses and Paul, we've seen their oof moments, their human moments, and we have seen ourselves in those moments too. Let that sink in for a minute. We have resonated with moments of the saints, you and me. We have plenty in common with these people. We are these people. Jürgen Moltmann, a German theologian, writes, you are not loved because you are beautiful. You are beautiful because you are loved. And what places these beautifully, beautifully flawed souls on our windows is not God's love for them, it is their response to God's bizarre calls on their lives. They act not out of fear for who they've been or what might happen, but out of love for a God that loves them anyway. And Joseph is such a magnificent example of this. The angel who visits Joseph in a dream tasks him with two 
human actions, things he gets to choose whether he does or not. This is the always rattling call from God. The first, marry, marry anyway. And the second, name the child. Our passage says that Joseph, being a righteous man, meaning he was following the laws of the time that indicated he needed to divorce his future wife for the sake of his faith. He was a righteous man. He was unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, and he planned to dismiss her, to divorce her quietly. Joseph was well within his right, required by law even, to end his relationship with Mary in a public way. And while the story changes after the angelic intervention, Joseph never sets out to do this. Instead, he offers compassion, and he makes the difficult choice. We are each called to love hard things and to love hard people. Jesus himself loved from birth as likely one quite difficult to love. I'm not above saying the Son of God was hard to love. Imagine Joseph, sometimes called the foster father of the Redeemer, giving up his entire life, his reputation, to raise and protect a child who puts the family in danger before his first birthday. A child who at 12 years old escapes to the temple while on National Lampoon's family Christmas vacation to Jerusalem, and when they find him hours later, Jesus says, why were you worried about me? I was in the house of my real father. A child who Joseph never had to love, but faithfully chose to. You cannot tell me there weren't moments of resentment, of maddening frustration, of immense grief in that relationship. Jesus himself knows what it means to be hard to love and be loved still. And he commissions us to love like that anyway. We look at all of the places in our lives where love feels hard. Loving the child with hate on their tongues. Loving the relative with opposing political convictions. Loving the memory because it's all we have left to love. Loving the person underneath the face of addiction, loving the partner who betrayed us, loving enough when the world tells us we should have more. Loving the stranger on the street when they make us incredibly uncomfortable. Loving the person in the pew beside us when we ourselves need love. Loving ourselves in the midst of self-sabotaging. Loving God in the midst of loss that feels unsensical and unbearable. This love is not the sentiments of a Hallmark movie. This love is what it means to witness God at work in the world and for us to participate in that story. This love is what makes us human. This love is exactly why God made God's self human. Richard Rohr, a favorite teacher in this community, says that God loves things by becoming them. 
Our scripture says, just when Joseph had resolved to leave Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Joseph, son of David. Did you know that the royal lineage of Jesus does not come from being God's son, but from being Joseph's? Joseph was the descendant of David. Without Joseph, Jesus' legal lineage ceases to exist. It is through Joseph that the prophecies ring true. Our prophet of the season, Isaiah, cries, Hear then, O house of David, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. Joseph's sacrifice. Joseph's sacred giving of the self, Joseph's love and faithfulness births the new vision, just as Mary does. And that is a story we can all rest assured in, our love, the love we choose to experience from God and the love we choose to return to God through our experiences, changes history. We too are adopted into this family, into this prophecy. Through love, we are not only a part of this story, but we have all the power in the world to carry it onwards. May we allow it to be so. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to Hillhurst United Church, the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are thinking about someone who might enjoy it too, we invite you to send it their way and help the podcast grow. We're really glad you're here and we'd love to know what you thought about today's sermon. Leave us a review in iTunes or send us an email at communications at hillhurstunited.com. We'd love to hear from you.